Welcome to Buckeyes Tomorrow Morning for Saturday, September 17th. I'm your host, Tom Orr. The Toledo game is today, the game against Michigan in 70 days. The Buckeyes will not kick off until 7 p.m. Eastern tonight, so there's plenty of time to watch some other games during the day. You can also watch our pregame coverage at youtube.com slash Huddle. Uh, after last weekend, when everyone said it was going to be a boring schedule, and then it turned into a completely insane weekend, please don't underestimate what could be in store for uh, for all of us this weekend. Don't underestimate either what's in store for us right now. That is Tony Gerdeman of Buckeye Huddle. Tony, thanks for being here. Tom, thank you for having me. It's a joy and a privilege to be here once again. Uh, so I guess we have to start with, there's some weird dynamics around our first game today. Oklahoma minus 11 at Nebraska. That is the big noon kickoff on Fox. No Scott Frost anymore. They fired him. They spent an extra $7.5 million to get him out the door before October 1st, presumably because this is a significant game for them. And, you know, you you don't want to have the dead man walking vibe around the program at this point. So $7.5 million gamble that Nebraska put down, put down on this. Do, do they keep it close? It feels to me like maybe you get the, you know, the the new coach bounce a little bit. And they can at least keep this kind of close against against Oklahoma. Yeah, this is always a conversation when a coach gets replaced midseason, and Mickey Joseph taking over as the interim guy there, expecting to have some sort of an emotional lift. Having the fans there, who I I have to imagine they're pretty elated that Scott Frost is gone, so that will create some emotional lift as well. Oklahoma, number six in the nation, as you said, an eleven point favorite. I wonder how often there actually is a win after a coach departure. And I think when it, when it does happen, it gets attributed to the, the lifting up when it doesn't, obviously it's attributed to you know losing the coach and being down, but you just, I don't know that you know what you're going to get until maybe, maybe mid game. It will be interesting to see what happens if this is a close game. And if Nebraska, God forbid, wins a one score game, and and does something that Scott Frost was rarely able to do. Uh, last year, this is a really good game in Norman, and you know I I don't I'm not siding with Nebraska and the coaching uplift here, but I do think this crowd is going to be amazing. It, the crowd should be. I mean, sort of the desperation kind of crowd where if you if you win this, then the season is saved, and you maybe you make it a bowl game and. You know, it turns it turns into you know a really memorable and inspiring season, and if you lose or you really get blown out, like oh boy, like it, you might go, I mean, down the bouncing down the cliff like Homer Simpson. It it feels like you might get a close one and and you know lose lose close, but you know play play well. That's kind of what they did against Oklahoma last year, where it kind of felt like a win at the end of the game because they weren't supposed to be that close and they kept it pretty close. So. Yeah, I, I'm going to say Oklahoma, but Nebraska covers here. Uh, another another team that you know is probably hoping for a little more than a, a moral victory. The South Carolina Gamecocks, Spencer Rattler, uh, leading them at home against Georgia. Georgia giving 13 and a half. Georgia didn't do much last week against Samford, but they don't get the sense that Georgia was trying to do all that much against Samford. They may have just kind of been working on some stuff and you know treating it almost like a spring training game. This is one where. I think Georgia is the best team in the country until someone else puts up a performance as good as they had against Oregon. Do you see any reason for optimism here that South Carolina keeps this within two touchdowns? Well, you know, I, I think having the game at home, I'm always a, a, a home field advantage kind of guy. 
South Carolina gave up, what, 23 points in the fourth quarter to Arkansas to lose that one 44-30 last week. So that was a game that they were very much in and could have won. But this one feels to me like, you know, 24.5-point line, as you said. Like Spencer Rattler can only do so much, and they're going to get after him. And I'm not sure the South Carolina defense has enough for the Georgia offense. Did I just say? I just said that. Wow. Um, Yeah, and, and... is this going to be one of those games, Tom, where it's you know it's not a great week of of action? Is this one of those games that makes it a a memorable, unforgettable game or an unforgettable week where you have an upset because it, there doesn't seem to be a lot of upsets on the horizon? And uh, does this is this you know is this one of the more likely upsets? I don't think it's you know it's certainly not likely, but is it more likely than some of the others? Maybe. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm riding with Georgia. Twenty four and a half is a lot, though. It was it was thirteen and a half was the uh, line the last time I saw it. Georgia thirteen and a half. ESPN is showing me twenty four and a half. Well, that, that seems that seems like quite a quite a number of penal, uh, points, which that's that is an odd discrepancy. I got mine from uh, Vegas Insider, so you know Bristol's not in Vegas, so I'm going to have to defer to Vegas. So. Uh, another uh, here, let's let's compromise. Let's do a game where the point spread doesn't matter at all. Michigan minus says forty five and a half against UConn. I don't. I mean, whatever. It doesn't matter. We have to talk about this game on the Michigan Monday show. So, is there anything about this that's interesting to you uh, now that the quarterback situation, the much ballyhooed and extremely mysterious quarterback situation, which we definitely didn't all know how it was going to play out. Now that that's settled, is there is there anything really to watch for this weekend, or not really? No, and there's an argument to be made that Michigan has played the worst three, the three worst teams in FBS this season in their non-conference schedule. The only thing to watch again is the same thing to watch last week when they were playing Hawaii, and that's to see if quarterback J.J. McCarthy plays poorly. He should play well, but if he plays poorly, that tells you, that's the only thing that can tell you anything is, is if these guys play poorly. And, you know, even if at this point they're starting to you know, feel their oats and maybe UConn scores early or something like that, it's, this is a game that it shouldn't be played. It's they've already had two tune-up games. You don't need a third one. Like this is, so I've got it here as a forty-seven and a half point line with an over/under of sixty. Like this is going to be bad. Yeah, it, it's. I have seen various rankings of the you know the five worst, ten worst, fifteen worst teams. Michigan's three non-conference opponents are all among those three, or among those five, among those ten. And yeah, it is. It is not good. It is a schedule that is. I mean, we, we, we dogged on Ohio State's home non-conference basketball schedule, and it's like almost almost intentionally you scheduled the worst possible opponents for the least interesting games. That's what Michigan did for football this year for non-conference, getting out of the U, U, uh, UCLA contract. It just was – it's not good. It is uh, very unimpressive, and uh, can't wait to talk about it on Michigan Monday. Uh, next up, let's move to 3.30. Penn State at Auburn. This is one that I just – I feel like this game ends up 23 to 20 and it kind of depends on who is, you know, the question is who's going to have the 23. Auburn is a disaster. Brian Harson is now that Scott Frost is gone. Brian Harson is the closest to uh, climbing into the trebuchet and getting flung into the sun uh, of any FBS coach right now. I, I think my only concern from Penn state's perspective is how does the offensive line hold up against that? that Auburn defense, because I think Auburn's offense is not good at all. And if Penn State can score 28, 31 points, 
they win this probably comfortably in cover by a touchdown. I just, I, I really just don't know what to think. You know, Nicholas Singleton is averaging 10 point something yards per carry. If he averages six yards a carry, I think Penn State wins this game comfortably. I just, I have real concerns about the Penn State offensive line that I think keep this close, but Penn State probably wins. What do you think? Yeah, it's, it's, Auburn should lose. Like, Penn State should go there and win. Auburn is not good. They beat San Jose State 24-16 last week. That was a clearly a four-quarter game. And yet, trying to pick James Franklin to go on the road in the SEC, and Auburn, they are in the SEC, and James Franklin go on the road anywhere, if, if that makes you happier, and picking them to win, I just it's really, really difficult for me. However, I think Nick Singleton is a difference maker. If he has 20 touches, I'll take Penn State. I just don't know if he's going to get there. And if, um, you know, the Penn State offense as a whole can get it done, just you know, avoiding the mistakes that they make so often. We've seen it for years where, you know, Sean Clifford is, can't he, he's very capable, but he's also quite incapable at times. And you just don't know which one you're going to get. But if I if they can give Nick Singleton enough carries, I like them. But I can't take James Franklin on the road. I, I can't do it. Yeah, and and that's I think that's fair. You're you're at, you're putting Brian Harson, who has kind of one foot out the door already, against James Franklin. It's like, well, one of the, here's how college football works. One of these teams has to win, believe it or not. So yeah, I I, I think I'm going with Penn State just because. But man, the uh, the offensive line. And, you know, we haven't even talked about Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford just feels like he's not going to win this game for him, but he probably doesn't lose this game for him, which might be enough. That would be enough. Yeah, another 330 game. This was an interesting line to me. Oregon giving six and a half against BYU. Oregon's at home. Uh, 330 kick. I Am I crazy to think BYU wins this one outright? That's where I am as well. And I've got this as Oregon three and a half on ESPN. I don't know. Very wild. uh disparities but yeah either way i like byu and, and i don't know if they're getting the receivers back that's that's you know a difficult thing for them but they've still been managing and they're they're just a tough team and you know i i've, I've heard oregon is not the same oregon that lost to georgia but like they didn't even compete in that thing and you know outson is a tough place to play but that was under Ch chip kelly i don't know how how it is right now I just really like the makeup of BYU, and until they lose, I'll just assume they're going to – like, they don't really care about any of this stuff in terms of, you know, TV or going to Oregon. They just want to do their job. They just want to work and then get back home. And I just – you know, I like their business-like attitude. And, you know, BYU is a team where it just – it feels like in the trenches, all the stuff I just said about, about Penn State, you don't have any of those trenches concerns with BYU – they might just be able to push Oregon around a little bit that, you know, if they can, that, that decides the game and it's not really much of a conversation. Oregon's loss to, uh, to Georgia week one, coupled with Utah's loss to Florida week one has kind of set the PAC 12 is terrible narrative in motion. Once again, that Oregon BYU game feels like that's one that, that, that the PAC 12 really needs them to win. Another one, the PAC 12 probably needs to win Washington against Michigan state. That's at seven 30. I'm going to give up on the point spreads because apparently we're just <laughs> making stuff up at this point. Uh, Washington, like Washington feels like they were preseason kind of picked as one of those like potential real bounce back teams just because the Jimmy Lake era was such a disaster that just going from 
disastrous coach to literally any other coach was going to bump them up a couple wins, just that in and of itself. They've gotten off to a pretty good start this week. I think, probably, their favorite against Michigan State. But this is another one where I feel like we're going to learn a lot about these two teams because I don't know that we've really, I don't know how much we really know about either one of them right now. No, and former Indiana quarterback Michael Penix is the quarterback at Washington, thrown for 340 yards a game so far in their two games. But those two games are Kent State and Portland State. So what does that tell us? Really not much. Uh, But, you know, this Michigan State team, going on the road, and Washington can be a tough place if the fans there believe in the program. And I think this is a, you know, the number 11 Michigan State Spartans in. So this should be something that the fan base would get uh, into and show up for. And I, uh, I think I already picked this in another contest where I, I think I went with Michigan state outright just because I, I need to believe in Washington again. And I realize I'm being foolish and believing in Michigan state on the road. This feels like as I, as I was thinking about it earlier today, it's like, I can't believe I did that. And now Tom, I can't believe I, I'm almost trying to do it again, but I think I'm going to, I'm going to hedge and uh, go with Washington, and let's see if Mel Tucker can earn some of that uh, ninety million or whatever. Yeah, I I feel like it's probably Michigan State. I mean, based on you know, go back, go back ten years and tell yourself what I'm going to say is I think Michigan State's more of a sure thing in this kind of situation, <laughs> which <laughs> historically that has not always been the case. Let's just leave it at that. But. Yeah, this is this feels like this is going to be a really intriguing game, and it, this might very well end up a game between two teams that finish the year seven and five or eight and four or something like that. But it does, it does feel like a really intriguing game where you really don't know what's going to happen. Uh, another one that you know you feel like you should know what's going to happen. But uh, speaking of teams you probably historically shouldn't have believed in, the Texas Longhorns hosting uh, UTSA at eight o'clock. Uh, you know what Texas did last week, almost pulling off the uh, huge upset against Alabama. When Ewers obviously out this week, Hudson Card the starter. Here's what UTSA has done this year so far. Lost 37-35 in triple overtime to Houston and won 41-38 against Army in overtime. So two overtime games, split them against good group of five competition, but not great competition. This feels like a little bit of a, you know, if Texas is really Texas, if Texas is truly back, this is one that Texas, you know, handles their business because they should handle their business. But the Texas of the last 10 years or so absolutely blows this or, you know, it drags into a really a four quarter game, an overtime game, something like that, where even if they win, it feels like a loss. Does Texas handle their business here? Because they should win. But boy, I, you know, I I still am not quite ready to believe in Texas. (laughs) I'm just thinking, like, if they had beaten Alabama, go hammer UTSA on that money line. Just go uh-huh. go jump on go jump on UTSA right there, and wait for that letdown from Texas. Uh, and, and being without Quinn Ewers, like he was really really good. I think nine of twelve against Alabama for like 134 yards and a touchdown, and you know a, a, at least one drop in that game. It's unfortunate what happened to him. Hopefully he can get back by the end of the season. Uh, UTSA like they are battle tested, but so is Texas, and so I think this is. This is going to be a, a give us an idea, as you said, how that's not how back is Texas, but how um, how how can Texas bounce back? And and the, they should obviously they should win this and look decent doing it. If they can look good doing it, then I'll start to 
believe a little, but uh, I've got this at 12 and a half, and I would, you know, Hudson Card is not Quinn Ewers, but he can make some plays. I'm going to take Texas, but I don't, I don't, I don't like the points or anything like that. Yeah, and that's kind of where I feel like it. I feel this feels like it's going to be close late, and Texas probably pulls it out. But yeah, I, I tech, UTSA isn't a better program than people realize. Uh, another program that is, mm, two, let's go to two programs that uh, maybe not be as good a program as people realize. Uh, Texas A&M gets Miami nine o'clock. Texas A&M coming off of the. Uh, I'm going to say shocking loss to App State, but I really don't know how shocked I, I am. Miami beat Southern Miss last week, but it was 7-7 at halftime, I think, and then they ended up winning 34-7, 33-7, something like that. You know, I, I feel like this is two teams that are maybe not nearly as good as people probably think or thought a week ago before they lost to Appalachian State. Is there, you know, I mean... I, I don't. I don't even have a question here. <laughs> Texas A and M question mark. Maybe, um, you know, Jimbo Fisher talking about giving giving up play calling. I mean, you know, this is one of those. It's almost. I don't want to say mirror images, but you know, similar images of programs like that aren't where they thought they would be, or, or they aren't where they think they are. And now Miami, if they win this one, they're going to be three and zero, and. Uh, looking at the top 10, even though it's like, yeah, are you a top 10? Well, we've got a good quarterback, and well, and, and yeah, you're in the ACC, so you might end up winning 10 games this year, but they're not a program that you can count on. However, they're playing Texas A&M, which is a program you can't count on. So I would, uh, this is one of those where, you know what, I haven't seen just uh, an ugly game and, and have like, just I just want to enjoy this and have no rooting interest, and whatever happens, I'm totally fine with it because you know, both teams deserve to lose type of thing, and so you'll be happy because one of them will. Uh, I Texas needs this one, though. Their Texas A&M needs this one. And you, you, we've all seen the, the Kevin Sumlin, Jimbo Fisher comparisons where Kevin Sumlin is now like a game ahead of Jimbo Fisher after the first 50 games. Jimbo can't fall two games behind that. <laughs> yeah, and this is one where, I mean, you look at what Texas A&M has coming on their schedule, and I don't think the SEC West is quite as good as it has been at times in the past, but you still have Alabama on that schedule. You still got Arkansas on that schedule. I mean, there, there's there's some decent teams that they have to play, and this cannot be an eight and four Texas A and M season. You can't you can't do that again. And they just lost one they shouldn't have lost. So now you've you know I think you pencil in Alabama as a loss already. You better not lose to Miami. This is another one that you know again. This is this is one where it feels like both of these teams finish the year eight and four and. You know, maybe an independent, maybe an Independence Bowl uh, kind of rematch. We'll see, but yeah, that I, boy, Jimbo Fisher, you better you better not lose this game. Not that they can buy you out at this point, but boy, that's uh, that will not be not be a good look. Uh, last game on the schedule before we get to the sort of uh, late shift overnight sampling platter. Uh, USC hosting Fresno State ten thirty. If you didn't watch the end of the Fresno State game last week, they were playing. Uh, they were playing. Uh, Oregon State, Oregon State was going to line up and kick a field goal on the last play of the game to, to send it to overtime, and uh, Fresno State called the timeout, and then Oregon State's Jonathan Smith said, "Man, screw it, and went in and ran the ball in with no time on the clock. That's uh, a pretty gutsy call, but I mean, that is a this is a Fresno State team that is a pretty decent team right now. 
USC has won, and if you just saw the scores, it's like, wow, USC is back. And then if you've watched or look at any of the stats, it's like, oh boy, this is a Lincoln-Riley team where they score a lot of points, and the defense is not very good. If they make the playoff, it's like, this is just going to be a Lincoln-Riley playoff appearance kind of team. This feels a little dangerous to me. And again, this is another one where I don't think Fresno State upsets USC. But I think USC is weak enough on defense that Fresno State can keep this interesting for quite a while with Jake Hayner. You know, this this could be a game into the fourth quarter. Yeah, this to me feels like one of those games back when USC was really, really good under Pete Carroll. And they'd have like a, maybe a San Diego State or Fresno State come in and make things interesting. I think this is a four-quarter game that could be you know, on by the time we get back, get home, like the fourth quarter type thing. Well, it's probably going to be over by then. But, you know, one of these interesting fourth-quarter games where something crazy will happen. It's a Fox game, which, you know, that's that can that lends to a four-hour game. So maybe maybe there's a chance. But, yeah, I, I like the, uh, the four-quarter aspect of this one. And anything can happen because I think it's going to be high-scoring. But, you know, you got that Alex Grinch defense, and, um, you know, anything can happen, Tom. Field goals, touchdowns, anything can happen with an Alex Grinch defense or touchdowns. Yeah, it is. Uh, I don't remember who said it. I wish I could credit them. Someone someone this week had a tweet that just said Alex you know, Alex Grinch's name was getting thrown in the mix for the Nebraska job. And uh, someone someone tweeted, like, there is no one in the, on the world who's better at their job than Alex Grinch's agent. That is, uh, that, is, that is as true today as the first time it was said. Uh, a couple late games. But boy, this is a fun line, and who knows if this is actually the line, but it was the line where I saw it. North Dakota State giving one at Arizona, so an FCS team on the road at the Pac-12, a favorite, 11 p.m. That should be uh, that should be at least one to keep an eye on. That feels that feels like, I, I guess you can't even call it an upset, but that feels like one where you may have an FCS over FBS uh, win. Had four of those last week, so might have another one this week. And then uh, finishing up the night, Hawaii hosting Duquesne, FCS Duquesne. That's a midnight kick, so uh, go ahead and find that one and uh, stay up. Stay up late. I'm going to guess I'm going to be staying up late. We will uh, be doing our doing our usual post game, pre and post game for uh, tonight's Ohio State Toledo game. Uh, Toledo kicks at uh, seven, right? Seven o'clock. I should know this. Seven o'clock tonight, uh, and so the game should be over ten thirty, eleven, something like that. As soon as that clock hits zero, we will be on live with our post game coverage at YouTube.com/slash Buckeye Huddle. We'll have uh, our usual post game analysis. Interviews with Ryan Day, C.J. Stroud, Buckeye players, and then uh, Tony Gerdeman and I, who you just saw. I don't need to say his last name. I can just say Tony. Tony and I will be on after the uh, game to uh, do our usual instant reaction episode of Buckeye Weekly. So that's all going to be at YouTube.com slash Buckeye Huddle. Always a good time. Always enjoy getting to interact with you guys after the game. Get your thoughts, answer your questions, and more all at YouTube.com slash Buckeye Huddle. Make sure you are subscribed and hit that bell so you get notified when we go live. But Again, as soon as that clock hits zero on the Ohio State game, we will be going live. So join us there, and uh, we will see you guys later tonight. Thank you guys all for joining us. Have a great day. Enjoy the football. We'll talk to you later.